All right, if you would turn to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and we're going to be back and we're going to finish up from last week uh, the Lord's Prayer. And we looked at this in Luke, and I told you last week that probably most of you, I would say without exception, know the Lord's Prayer that's recorded in Matthew. And we talked last week about the, the, the fact that uh, when his disciples came to Christ in uh, Luke and also in Matthew, uh, they asked the Lord to teach us to pray. And I mentioned this last week. They didn't say, Lord, teach us a prayer. They said, teach us to pray. Uh, I was thinking this morning, a guy that I work with, I won't tell the church and I won't tell the person because... Some of you might be closer and might, uh, it might embarrass that person, but uh, there was a certain person in Paris, and uh, he came and joined the church, and he was well-known in the community. He was a coach, actually, uh, and he told the pastor when he joined, he said, now, I'm joining, and I'm a Christian, but I don't pray in public. I just want you to know that right up front. Uh, and like many churches do, like we do here occasionally, I call on someone to pray at the end of the service. And uh, I, I normally would not call on someone that I was not sure if you would like to pray. If you don't mind praying, uh, just come by and say, hey, I'll pray anytime, and then I'll call on you to pray. <laughs> but uh, I got a couple of folks, you know, that I know uh, uh, are comfortable praying, and, and uh, you ought to be comfortable praying. You're just talking to your dad <laughs> in heaven, you know. But this particular guy, uh, I guess the, the, the preacher thought, I'm going to test this guy. I'm going to put him on the spot. So he had the people stand. This is a large church. And uh, he said, Brother so-and-so, would you lead us in our clothing prayer? And he said, I believe I'll pass. <laughs> Isn't that hilarious? <laughs> no, I believe I'll pass. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. You know, and I, I could hear him think, now I didn't cover that he wants. I'm not going to pray. <laughs> so uh, maybe the disciples were in that same boat. Maybe Christ had been with them and... Uh, said, Peter, lead us in prayer. And Peter may have said, Lord, I'm going to pass because I don't really know how to pray. And I mentioned last week, there's not a wrong way to pray. But if we want to learn to pray as Jesus prayed, and if we want to learn to pray as Jesus taught to pray, this is a great example. This is exactly what he's doing. He is teaching his followers, his disciples. And folks, if you're a born-again Christian, you're a disciple of Christ. You're a follower of Christ. So his disciples came and said, Lord, here's the thing. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And uh, so in my mind, they're sitting there, they're hearing Jesus pray, and they say, you know, uh, we need to learn that. That's something we need to learn. I, I told you that's the uh, only time in Scripture where the, the disciples asked Christ to teach him something. Uh, and I think I may have even mentioned last week that he did, he could, they could have said, teach us to heal people or teach us how you walked on water or teach us how to perform miracles. I mean, all those things would be great, wouldn't they? I mean, Lord, teach us how to do some of those things you've done. But they understood the importance of prayer and they went to the Lord and they said, Lord, we want to learn to pray like you pray. We've kind of talked about prayer all year and 
And uh, this is the fourth month, and it's nearly gone. Debbie and I were talking about it. Can y'all believe that? It's nearly already gone. Uh, graduation's coming up here before long, and summertime, and I mean, it's just really moving on by. But I hope in this year uh, that you made it one of your goals to, to spend more time in prayer. I think that's the most powerful thing that we can do as a church, is spend time in prayer. So... As Jesus begins to teach his disciples, he said to them, When you pray, pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive, forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. So as Jesus began to teach, and we're not going to go over uh, uh, last week's message because we simply won't have time, but... Uh, Jesus says, uh, here's how you should pray. And he starts out with his first thing. He starts out with our Father. And uh, we know that, that God is our Father, and uh, he's the fatherhood of prayer. And we looked at the scripture last week that says that uh, when we accept Christ, we're given the, uh, the Holy Spirit that makes us children of God. I mean, we are actually God's children. We are born-again Christians. And we're born into the family of God. And when someone's baptized, that doesn't save them, but what that does is it shows a picture of, of my, my nature, my sinful nature has died, and it's been buried, and I've been raised up a new person with a new life in Christ Jesus, in God's family. I'm a new person. I have a new spirit dwelling within me. So that's the picture of baptism, and at that point, we have a heavenly Father, which Romans says we can cry to him, Abba, Father, which is a term of endearment that we say is like our sand daddy. So we have that opportunity to go before God, our heavenly Father, and Jesus says, when you pray, recognize the fatherhood of God, recognize that he's your heavenly Father. Secondly, he says, here's the priority of prayer, that, that God's name would be hallowed or God's name would be holy. And that, that hallowed, that's what that means. Holy would be your name. And so as Jesus prays, he recognized God as the Father. He recognizes that he is in the holiness of God. And Peter says, be holy because I am holy. And only can we be holy when we're in the presence of God and when we pray in the presence of God. I think I, I know I told you this last week that uh, through the, 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 the prayer and through that word hallow, it means to make an ordinary thing extraordinary by bringing it into con contact with something that's extraordinary. That's what it means, that word hallowed. So we become extraordinary simply by in the presence of God who is extraordinary. So when we hallow the name of God, we make holy the name of God, and we do that every day in our place of business, in our place that we that we function every day, if we are making holy the name of God, then we're hallowing the name of God. If we're taking God's name in vain or simply uh, using God's name any other way than recognizing him as our Father in the holiness of God, then we're not hallowing his name. But when we make God holy in our daily life, then we're hallowing his name. And then the third part that we looked at last week was the program of prayer and that program of prayer is that God's kingdom would come, that his will would be done, and that kingdom simply means that he might rule and reign over us. May, may your kingdom be established within us. May, may all of our actions, may all of our deeds uh, lead us to building your kingdom. And ultimately, there's three parts of that. There's conversion, that God's 
kingdom would come. It comes in conversion when we move from the place of a, a lost person to the place of a saved person. That's part of God's kingdom. And then that commitment, and that's where we live every day, that God's kingdom would take place in our lives, would be the center of our lives. And then lastly, as we pray, thy kingdom come, we're talking about the consummation of, of God's kingdom. We're talking about when Christ returns. And you know what it tells us in Scripture to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You know what that talks about? What that's talking about is, is Christ coming again and reestablishing his throne and, and a new heaven and a new earth. So when we pray, thy kingdom come, there's many parts of that prayer. But that's how we pray. So this morning, we're going to look at the last part of the prayer. The last week I told you the first half of this prayer, the first three th things, have to do with God. It has to do with God's will, God's purpose, recognizing who God is. Now the last three deals with ourselves, believes, believes, deals with us as believers. And once God has found his rightful place in our prayer, how does he find that place? We put him there. When we recognize God is the Father, we recognize that, that he's hallowed, that he's holy, we recognize that we want his will done in our life, we want his will done in our prayers, then we have a correct perspective of God. So when we have that correct perspective of God, then we move on into our focus upon who we are. And it's interesting in these three examples that Christ gives, he covers our whole being. He covers our body, soul, and spirit in the part where he says, give us each day our daily bread, that relates to our bodies. Where he says here, forgive us of our sins, that speaks to our soul, <clears throat> and lead us not into temptation, that deals with our spirit. So in, in Christ's example of a prayer, and pray in this manner, he says, first, get God on the right place, get God in the right place, in your mind, in your heart, in your prayer, and then begin to deal with these needs that we have. The first thing he says, this first glance is, Give us each day our daily bread. And for most of us, when we read that, we may think that's kind of irrele irrelevant for us. I mean, we, we would just not pray, God, give us each day our daily bread. Why is that? Probably the reason is, is there are probably people, and I know from, from working some things we do on Wednesday night, there's, there's people in our community that probably go to bed hungry at nights, and there's probably people even beyond this community and, and even broader area that goes to bed at night. But for the most part, most of us have plenty to eat. We have, we have plenty of provisions for the most part. So when it comes to that part of saying, God, give us each day our daily bread, we would say, well, I'm not sure that I, that I need that. But as Christ is teaching about this part of this prayer, give us each day our daily bread, it has to do with more than the than our, than our totality of our physical life. It has more to do than, than just the, the, the word bread. And I want you to think about this. When we pray, God, give us each day our daily bread, we're saying, God, we trust you to meet all of our physical needs. You know, I, I've used this before. Christ called himself the bread of life and the water. You know, that's the two basic needs we need to survive, isn't it? You know, old Westerns, they'd say, what are you going to give them in prison? Bread and water. Why? That keeps you alive. So as Christ is praying here, he's saying more than just something to eat, I want you to meet all of my physical needs. And when we pray to this, listen, when we, say, when we pray, God, give us each day our daily bread, 
We're, we're saying, God, I'm, I'm affirming to you that you're going to meet all of my needs. That's an affirmation to God. God, I want you to, I want you to know that I, I, I understand I'm relying on you. I always look, used to uh, love this illustration uh, on Shenandoah, and I've used it many times here. When old Jimmy Stewart is praying and he's got his family sitting around that big old table and that table's just full of food and, and he starts praying and he says, God, I want to thank you for this. If it wasn't for us, this bread wouldn't be on this table. If it wasn't for our work, these beans wouldn't be on this table. And if it wasn't for us going out tilling this land, we wouldn't have any of those things. In his prayer, he really wasn't thanking God for his daily possessions, he was just saying, God, i done all of this, and thank you, by the way. And, and the problem with that is when we begin to pray that type of prayer, we begin to say, God, I really realize I don't need you for my daily possessions. God, I, I really think that because I work, because I provide, because I do all of these things, I really don't need your help in that area and the dangerous part of that is, when we begin to think that way, pride takes over. In other words, we begin to think, God, I really don't need you for my daily needs. God, I really don't, I really don't need you to handle anything but the serious stuff. And when we do that and pride begins to swell up inside us, it begins to move our trust away from God. We don't need to trust God. We don't really need anything. God, I've heard people say, well, what's happened... Uh, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, the church was full. And people were praying and, and were worried about what was going to happen. And God doesn't want us to worry about those things. But I think the, the difference is 50 years ago, people needed God. They, they needed God to say, you know what, I'm going to meet your basic needs. People were working. People were struggling just to, to make a living. And, and they realized they needed God. And today, I think we have so much... That for us, we say, God, I'm real, I really don't need you daily. I just need you when I have a big need that comes up. So let's pray together this morning, and, and let's just pray that God would meet our daily needs, and, and as Christ would, would teach us to pray, that we might have an understanding. And Father, Lord, we come before you this morning, and again, we, we enter into your presence. We come before you hu uh, humbly but boldly, Lord, into your presence. And Father, I pray that, that you would just be lifted up and glorified in our prayers as we think about the many blessings that you've given us, Father. And I pray that as we think of these blessings, that we would realize that every good and perfect gift comes from you, our Father who's in heaven, Father. And, and Lord, I pray that you would lead us, that you would guide us, and that you would provide for us our physical needs, our emotional needs, our spiritual needs, and, Father, we wouldn't simply trust upon ourselves, upon our work, but, Father, we would realize that work is a blessing from you, and we would recognize that you are the giver of those things. And, Lord, I pray that you would be exalted as we come to you for our daily needs. In Jesus' name, amen. The next thing he says here is he talks about the pardon of prayer, and the phrase goes something like this, Forgive us of our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Now, forgiveness of sin is probably the greatest need that we have in our human heart. I want you to listen to this because Christ grants us forgiveness. God grants us forgiveness from, from punishment, 
from guilt. God grants those things to us. And when we pray, God, forgive us of our sins, I think sometimes we as Christians don't realize God forgives them. We sang that song, I think I mentioned it last week. Uh, Father, show me just how far the east is from the west because you, you've cast my sins that far away. And God forgives us and casts our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. But what do we do as Christians? We hold on to them, don't we? We try to hold on to the guilt. We kick ourselves for our failures. We kick ourselves for all of those things that we've messed up on. And, and we forget sometimes that God says, when you pray, forgive us of our sins, He forgives us. And he, he leads those sins away, and, and he casts them away. And the Bible says, this is great, folks. This is shouting time. He says, I remember them no more. Isn't that great? Don't you wish we had that ability to say, God, forgive me of this sin and remember it no more. I wish we had that ability. But, but God says, as we come, we need to understand there's pardon in prayer. And God forgives us. Romans 8, 1 declares that, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You know what? We need to know that. We need to understand that scripture, and, and we don't need to be paralyzed by guilt and shame of our sin. John says this, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what God says. So when we pray, we need to pray for the pardon of prayer. We need to pray that God forgive us our sin. And, and I think sometimes we need to, the, over in John it says we need to confess our sins. I don't think we need to just take that shotgun approach and just say, God, any sins I got there, just go ahead and forgive them while you're at it. We know what our sins are. We need to confess to God what our sins are, and he'll forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we pray to God, confess our sins, God will forgive our sins, He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I want you to notice something. Immediately following that, Jesus puts a limitation, doesn't he? He says here, forgive us of our sins. Limitation, as we forgive those who sin against us. What's that limitation talking about? You know, he covers that in, in Scripture, and, and I think this verse teaches us that it's wrong to ask God, for something, we're not willing to give to others. God, I want you to do this for me. By the way, I'm not going to do this for that person. We're reading in Samuel on Wednesday night. Is that right? Are we in Samuel? Who knows that? Second Samuel, that's right. And we were reading about David a few weeks ago and uh, about Bathsheba and Uriah. If I get any of these names wrong, y'all straighten me out. And... Uh, David had Uriah killed after he had an affair with Bathsheba. And one of the uh, prophets of God come before David and said, what would you do if a man uh, went down and he took the last uh, little meager sheep that this guy had and, and he had thousands of sheep? And I, I'm just paraphrasing this, and that's probably not even the right illustration, but what I want to say is David said to him, bring that guy to me and I'm going to execute him. And that prophet said, David, that's you. That's what you've done to Uriah when you took away his wife and, and you're in his kingdom and you have all this available to you and you went and took this person that just had his wife. And, and of course, at that point, David realized that, that his sin had been uncovered and that the shame of his sin was upon him and we can go and read. Uh, David confessed that and, 
And I want to add to this for you if you don't know that the Bible says David was a man after God's own heart. You think God don't forgive sins and remember them no more? David confessed those sins, God forgave him, and used him in a mighty way for his purpose. But the other part of that is, is we need to recognize when there's other people that we have ought against, or, or people have ought against us, we need to be willing to forgive that person, as God has forgiven us also, and he teaches us that in his prayer. And I want to ask you a question. Is there anyone that comes to mind right now in need of your forgiveness? Is there someone that, that needs your forgiveness? Has, have you been holding someone captive in your mind that, that you just simply say, I can't forgive, and they're in need of some of your grace? Those are potent words, aren't they? When we get right down to where the rubber meets the road and we say, oh, that sounds good, I like that, and, and I like that point that God forgives us and for, forgets our sins and remembers them no more. However, what about that person that needs your forgiveness? What about that person that needs some of your grace? And when we fail to forgive someone else, we set ourselves up as a higher judge than God himself. Think about that. When we say, I can't forgive you, we're saying, I'm, a, I'm judging you over God. Because what did God do? God forgave that person. And that's what we need to understand. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says this, Therefore, if you're at the altar and you're offering your gift to God and you remember that your brother has something against you, get up, leave your gift. It's no good. It doesn't please God. But get up and leave your gift in front of the altar. Go and be reconciled with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Then he says in Matthew 18, 15, he urges us to, to make things right when we have something to get someone else. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault first just between the two of you. What do we like to do? Who would be bold enough to say, if somebody has a fault against me, I like to call Barry up and say, you know what that scoundrel done to me? <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And then I call Pat up and say, Pat, let me tell you about that guy. That done. That's what we like to do, isn't it? We like to go to anybody but that person. We like to get on the telephone and, and just spread it around. What can I stir up? What can I do? And Christ says, go to him or her just between the two of you. Listen. And if they listen to you, you've won a brother over. Man, if you go to that person and say, you know what, we, I had this area, or, or you've done this to me, or I've done this to you, and, and I just want us to work this thing out. I told y'all this illustration one time. Denise, we was working in the church up at First Baptist Fairview, and we was youth ministers up there and working along, and some lady come to Denise one Sunday and said, you know, you did this. You said this or something. Hurt her, hurt her feelings somehow. Denise didn't have a clue. Didn't even have a clue that anything was going on. Finally, it worked and worked on this person so much that they came and said, I, I just need to get this right. And I just remember that there was a time of prayer and a time of forgiveness of, of hey, I just didn't realize it. I didn't know that any of that was going on. And, and that's what Christ says when we do that. We mend those relationships. And you know what happens then? We can come to God's altar forgiven. We can come to God's altar pure and holy in his sight. And we don't have that little bag of, of grudges that we're holding back and that we're keeping for ourselves. Go to that person. 
Show him his fault just between the two of you if he listens. You have won a brother over. So we, as we think about that, that's really the, the pardon of prayer. And let's, let's pray together this morning. Father, Lord, as we come and we begin to think about the pardon of prayer, Lord, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. And, Father, they're, they're too numerous to name this morning from this altar. But, Father, you know my heart. Lord, I pray that you might reveal unconfessed sins to me, that I might bring them before you, and that I might accept your forgiveness and your cleansing within my heart, within my life. And, Father, I, I pray that you would just show me those that I have wronged. Father, that I might be able to make right those areas. Father, I pray for others that may feel like I've wronged them in some way that I don't even know about, Lord, and, and I pray that you would reveal that to me as well as to them. Father, that there might be reconciliation, and Father, that that relationship of brothers and sisters in the community of Christ might be restored. And Father, I pray that we as brothers and sisters in Christ in this building and even beyond this building, Father, might understand the desire that you have for us to live as a family of God, a heavenly Father, a church of God, and Father, that those relationships would be bound by your Spirit, would be strong in your Spirit, and Father, that we might live as your children. And I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. The last thing in this prayer is Christ taught his disciples to pray. He taught about the protection of prayer. The protection of prayer. And, and we, we realize this in the, long, the, last, the last thing here. Said, and lead us not into temptation. You know, if we're born again Christians, we, we realize that we live in a fallen world. If you don't realize you live in a fallen world, go home and get a paper. If you don't get the newspaper, go by and buy you one. And get that Dallas Morning News and just start reading. And about that quick, you're going to realize we live in a fallen world. All around us, there's temptations. All around us, there's sins. All around us is evident of Satan. You know why that is? Because the Bible says Satan is the prince of power of the darkness. That's what Satan is. He, he kind of owns this world. Now, don't get it wrong. Christ is ultimately in control. And, and ultimately, Christ has won the battle. And ultimately, Satan is defeated. But while we live in this world, we're still in a fallen world. And we need to realize that we're faced with temptations all around us, and as, as Christ used this word in the Greek, that word translated temptations is kind of neutral, so it can refer to this, a test or a trial. So it should read like this, and lead us not into trials or testings that can turn into temptations. That's how it should read. And lead us not into testing or trials that can do lead into temptation. That word into means the power of are into the hands of. So listen to this, how it would have sounded in the Greek. And lead us not into the power of trials and testing, or lead us not into the hands of, of trials and testing that can turn into temptation. When we pray to God in this manner of his protection, and we, we ask God to keep us from falling to the powers of temptations. We ask God to help us overcome the, the power of trials and the power of temptations. Folks, every day as Christians, and I promise you this, the closer you get to
more this is going to affect you. The closer you walk to come to Christ, the more Satan is going to put stumbling blocks before you, the more things he's going to throw at you to, to trip you up, trials and testings. And when we pray for God's protection, we're saying, God, help me handle these on the power that you've given us. We can't handle it on our own. We don't have the power on our own to overcome Satan's temptations. We don't ever need to be mistaken into thinking that Satan is not powerful. Satan is powerful. So much so that you know if you read in the Bible, Michael the archangel, that he wouldn't even speak evil against Satan. He recognized the power of Satan. But as Christians, through the blood of Christ, Satan's defeated. He's a whoop dog. He, and, and we can't do it on our own, but we can do it through the power of Christ. That's why Christ says when you pray, pray through the Holy Spirit that you can withstand those trials and those testings and those temptations that come. He also says this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, his promise is, there is no temptation that has seized you except what common to man. And God is faithful, listen, and he'll not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. Isn't that great? But when you're tempted, he will provide a way out so that you might stand up under it. And Christ says when we pray, we need to pray, God, protect me from those times of trials, those times of testings that can turn into temptation that I may be able to overcome through the power of your spirit. That's what God says we should pray in that manner. I want you to bow with me this morning and, and let's just spend a, a moment in prayer just kind of understanding what God has to say about those times of, of tempting, those times of, of, of testings that come along. And Father, I pray this morning as we consider your teachings on prayer, Father, that you would help us stand through trials and temptations through those stumbling blocks that Satan would put before us that make us fall where he can become the accuser of the brethren if you describe him in Scripture. Father, I pray that we would realize in our own power there's temptations we can't overcome. But Father, through the power of your Spirit and through the filling of your Spirit, you've made a way for us to withstand those flaming darts of the evil one, and you've given us a way out. Lord, I pray daily in our prayer lives that we would ask you to deliver us from those temptations and to give us your strength and your power to overcome. And Father, I pray this in your name. Amen. One last thing before we close this morning. There was an unknown author put this together. And it's called the, the Disciples' Prayer. And this is what I want to conclude with this morning. I want you to listen to this. Uh, I cannot say our if I only live for myself. I cannot say father if I do not endeavor each day to act like his child. I cannot say hallowed be your name if I play around with sin. I cannot say your kingdom come if I'm not allowing God to reign in my life. I cannot say give us this day our daily bread if I'm trusting in myself instead of God's provision. 
I cannot say forgive us of our sins if I'm nursing a grudge or withholding forgiveness from someone else. And I cannot say lead us not into temptation if I deliberately place myself in its path. If you would, I want to close this way this morning. We're not going to have an invitation, but I want us to close in this way. I want to, I want to remind you of each area of this prayer. And then I'm going to pause for just a moment. And I'm going to allow you to spend a little time on focusing each part of this prayer in your mind. Just that we might know, that we might understand, and that we might be able to put these phrases into practice. And the first thing I want you to consider is this. As the Lord teaches us to pray, I want you to focus just a little bit and just a, a brief moment in the fact of our Father, our Heavenly Father, our Abba Father. Would you just in the, the quietness of the moment just recognize God as, as your Father, your, your, that term of endearment, your dad, uh, recognize that as your Father in Heaven. And secondly, I want to ask you, would you just think about the hallowedness of his name, the holiness of God's name? And don't forget this, in his presence, you too are holy. Then I would like for you to think about this, the uh, the kingdom of God, that it would be established in, in our lives. In other words, what we do, may we build your kingdom through our words, through our actions, through who we are. May, may your kingdom be established. May your will be done. Would you think just a moment about thanking God for his daily provisions that he gives you? Your, the food you eat, the home you have, the, the health that you have, just for God's many blessings, those daily provisions that just keep us going. Would you recognize that those are gifts from God himself? Then I want to ask you, would you think about the forgiveness of sins? And really right now, would you just ask God to forgive you of your sins? Confess to him your sins. And with that, would you just say, God, if there's someone that, that I've wronged, would you just reveal that to me through your spirit? Reveal that area that I've wronged this person. And, and just be willing to make it right. And then also would you just think about if, if someone's wronged you, would you just pray that God would help you to forgive that person and, and to offer that grace that, that, that God's offered you?
And then lastly, I would, I would ask, ask that you would just ask today that God would deliver us from those trials and those um, temptations that might be placed before us, that we might be able to withstand, not through our power, but through the power of the Spirit that is within us, that, that the Lord would just deliver us from uh, those testings and those trials and that he would give us the power to overcome. There's going to be trials and there's going to be temptations, but God give us the power to withstand, to know the way out. And our Heavenly Father, as we come together this morning, I thank you, Father, that we are your children through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that our citizenship is in heaven. Father, I thank you that our sins are forgiven and remembered no more. Father, I pray today that we would know as we enter into this time of prayer, we are in your presence. And you tell us, Father, throughout your word that your Holy Spirit moves among your people today. And we're in the very presence of God. And Father, through the blood of Jesus, we too are made extraordinary. We're married holy in your presence. And Lord, I pray that we would be hallowing your name daily in our lives, that we would be walking in your ways and leaning not on our own understandings, but acknowledging you in all that we do and allowing you to direct our path, Father, that your kingdom would be established on earth as well as heaven. Father, I pray for those today that's never accepted you as their personal Savior, that first part of your kingdom. Father, I pray today that your kingdom be established in my life. As I go from this place into the, the work world, that I simply wouldn't turn off my spiritual life and turn on my secular, but, Father, that it would be an extension of who I am in my workplace that your kingdom might benefit. Father, I thank you today for the provisions that you've given me and my family. I thank you for our home, for the food you provide for us. I thank you for our health. I thank you for all the many, many blessings that you've given to us. And Father, I pray that you would continue to bless myself, that you would continue to bless my family, that you would continue to bless my brothers and sisters here in church and, and Father, even beyond this building. I pray, Father, that we would know that you give us more than we need, that we might give back to you of those blessings. Father, I also pray that as we are forgiven of our sins, Lord, that we might forgive others. Lord, I pray that you would show me those that I've wronged, that I might be right. Father, I pray that you would show me those who have something against that maybe I don't know about, Father, that I might be able to make that right. And Lord, I pray that you would prepare me through your spirit to withstand the trials and temptations that we'll face. Lord, I pray that I would owe and understand there's no sin which I can't overcome. And Father, where there's a temptation, you've made a way out. Lord, I pray for the life of this church. I pray, Father, for the lives of each one in this church. And I pray, Father, that we would be about your business. I pray, Lord, that we would take an opportunity often to commune with you through prayer. Lord, not that we would know and recite certain words and 
that we might know and just be able to say these are the right words or these are the wrong words. But, Father, we would just come before you, our Heavenly Father, recognizing who you are and recognizing who we are and communing with you. Father, I pray today that as we consider our prayer life, that, Lord, we would plug into your power source through prayer and we would see you do great and mighty things in our lives and in the life of this church. Father, I pray today that these words would find root within our heart. And, Father, we merely wouldn't be hearers of your word. I pray, Lord, that we would know Satan wants to come and destroy all that is said and all that's happened as we move closer to you. And, Lord, from that, I pray that you'd protect us. Give us power through your spirit to withstand and go with us now as we leave this place. And I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.